Thanks for tuning in to the Beer Mighty Things podcast, your place for education and happenings for all things craft beverage. I'm your host, Kyle Reiner. I hope you obtained some value from our show because, as you know, far better it is to Beer Mighty Things. Cheers. All right, welcome into the Beer Mighty Things podcast. Today I have Chris Linton of HRA Builds. He is the founder. He's the guy. He builds the breweries. Chris, welcome in. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. I think uh, what you do is pretty unique, and I think the people need to hear about it. Um, you know, I do get a lot of folks who are like, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I write insurance for breweries. And they're like, oh. And then I'm like, yeah, I work with the guys who build the breweries. And they're like, oh. You know, it's just interesting to see people are like, oh, that's like a, that's a thing. That's a niche, you know. So let's get in a little bit about that. You know, how did you even start into building breweries? Were you doing other types of construction beforehand? Oh yeah, man. I've, <clears throat> I've been in commercial construction for 20 plus years. And, uh, the short, the short fun story is after having built just about everything that you can imagine from gymnasiums, to hospital work to all kinds of labs and, and offices, medical spaces, you name it. Um, my wife, knowing that I'm a craft beer fan said, you know, you seem like you've built everything. What do you, what do you want to build? What else do you want to do? I said, I want to build a brewery. So it wasn't too long after that, that, uh, I came across John, uh, Remington over at Conjahawken. He was in the early planning stages of that project. And, uh, long story short, ended up doing design build, doing that project for him. And then that led to, uh, about 15 others. So we do the breweries, Brew pubs, tap rooms, restaurants, satellite spaces, beer gardens. Um, I occasionally build other brewery, other uh, restaurant projects, and occasionally still do other corporate work for clients that I still have, some of the colleges and such. But right now, my focus is mostly on breweries and brew pubs, and I just love it. And I've structured the business to uh, to do it in such a way that I'm able to start at the very beginning with a client and work all the way through the process. So what makes us different is that we'll take it from concept to completion, very much in a design build collaborative format. Now, how soon, how soon does somebody really need to get in touch with you or what do they need to have when they get in touch with you? Well, I'll give you an example. The sooner, the better. So I have several clients right now that are looking for real estate. And that's always an advantage to catch them or have them find me at the very early stages because one of the pre-construction services that's really valuable is for us to go out and look at the site, see what they're talking about, how many square footage, what's the gas, what's the utilities, what's the electric, what are the existing conditions of the building, what kind of deal are you getting for a lease or potential purchase, what are the logistics for deliveries, for grain, in and out, parking, um, you know, we try to streamline a process so they're not spending money on a non-viable site. I can tell you that I've had a couple of people that I got uh, later in the game and they had already signed a lease. And then they realized that they need to do substantial site improvements like provide more parking, like building a parking lot or doing stormwater management or getting a variance. And sometimes they end up paying rent long before they're open because they haven't been able to follow the process that we use. 
So that's what hap- That's what can happen if you don't start out in the early stages. If you do start out in the early stages, I'll give you another example that worked out well. I had a client who was looking in Newtown Square area, uh, found the spot. Everything looked great. It looked like it was going to be a shoe-in from a zoning standpoint, square footage-wise, logistics. He did need to get a variance for parking. He was short a number of spaces, which means you have to go through a zoning review board. In order to do that, you need some drawings. You need architecturals to say, hey, this is what we want. This is a schematic. This is a baseline of what we want to build. Here's a brewery. Here's a tap room. And you have to present to the board your whole program and get them on your side to say, yeah, we'd love to have it here. And that's not a given at all because they're a quasi-legal entity. So they're going to look at it from a code standpoint, zoning standpoint, and whether or not they want you in the neighborhood. So that's their time to say, we do or do not want this business in this particular location or at all. Well, I structured it so that the client only bought enough architecture work to do the as-builts and schematic design. So he had a minimal investment in the architectural, minimal investment in the documentation you need. They went into the zoning board, gave their presentation. 30 days later, they were denied. They were denied because of parking. They didn't like some of the logistics. But the good news was, and that, that feels like a defeat and it feels like a disappointment because the client is excited to get going. You know, they just want to go full bore into a project, but their whole exposure might have been a couple of thousand dollars. It could have been 10 times that. It could have easily been 10 times that. So we saved them a tremendous amount of money and a tremendous amount of time to get a fast no as opposed to a slow, disappointing no. Um, hmm. So that, that's a win. That's a win for them, really. You know, I know you and I have worked on um, numerous projects together, and I know that there's been times where we've found, you know, a, a brewery in planning, and, you know, they're looking at properties, and we've found that property, and we're like, oh, wait a minute. This floor isn't even strong enough to hold your tanks. It's going to cost X, Y, Z. And we've been able to kind of, you know, put them in a new spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I've had clients that wanted to build a brewery on the second floor. And you say, look, that has to be a really, really compelling space and a compelling location with really compelling rent, et cetera, et cetera, to overcome the challenge of building a brewery on the second floor of a structure that wasn't intended for that use. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, uh, it's a process, but it's, it's a great way of approaching the project because you learn early what you need, what you can and can't do in that spot. And what about those people who do, you know, say, Hey, we want to move forward with a brewery on the second floor. What were a couple of the items they need to be aware of or pay attention to, or some things that would make their business, uh, you know, tough to operate. Yeah. I I would, I only know two breweries that are, (laughs) no, I know three now that I think of it that are on the second floor of a building. I mean, obviously the logistics, you know, grain in spent grain out, just access for uh, all your deliveries, the weight of the tanks, the size of the tanks, uh, you know, all these things are just a lot easier. Trench drains, floor drains. Uh, if there's occupancy below, you have coal box, you know, refrigerators that are going to be stacked with kegs, depending on the size of the space. I mean, there's, there's so many challenges to putting it on the second floor. You can imagine having a, uh, uh, forklifts or elevators getting people 
uh, forklifts getting materials up and elevators getting people in and out. You have to, you still have to adhere to ADA code. So you can't yeah. build a, uh, if you don't have an existing elevator, you're going to have a problem. You're just not going to be able to open. So nobody wants to incur that surprise and a big expense um, unexpectedly. And I know you and I have also discussed, you know, you've have uh, a brewery restaurant that they're, you know, they're going to have food. How important is it that they have their mind made up on a menu before you guys even start building? I'm sure that's not something that they don't typically think about. No, that's a really good question. Um, they need to think about it right away. And it sounds like you're putting the cart before the horse, but that's not the case at all. One of the early questions in somebody's planning is, okay, what's the food program? And you know, as well as I, you get the whole spectrum. Some people don't want to have food. Some people have food trucks. Some now want to do a full restaurant. And, you know, sometimes I will talk them out of doing a restaurant or at least try to focus them in on maybe you outsource the food. Do you want to open up a brewing business, a, an events business and a restaurant? <clears throat> you know, you want to have six or eight people or 60 people. It, 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 it turns into a much, much bigger program. And there's a whole lot of facets to it. You know, banks are less likely to lend to a restaurant than they are to a brewery um, for obvious reasons. Mm. So it's knowing what the program is for the food is critical because that food menu drives the entire pre-construction design process. The menu tells you what kind of equipment you need. The equipment tells you what kind of mechanicals and utilities you need. And that drives the design. So the engineers that have designed a program need to know everything that's going in the brewery and, <clears throat> and all the other ancillary equipment with the bar and the coal boxes, glycol systems, you name it. So if we're going to take a design process, a pre-construction process and attenuate it down to four, five, six weeks, that menu needs to be known immediately because the design process is all being driven by that equipment. We can figure out the colors on the walls and the finishes inside and what it's going to look like, but those mechanical components are critical. And that's a real challenge. And that's one of the things that we do and we do it well is that you know, you could easily imagine somebody being in a design phase for a brewery and saying, okay, we expect it to take six months. Right. That's not, that's not unreasonable. It really isn't. But if it's well managed, it can be done in six weeks. I have several different examples, multiple examples of projects that we get designed between four and say eight weeks. Then you're ready to go into, uh, permitting, which is at least, and can be at least another 30 days. So, you know, many people are surprised at how long the pre-construction process takes between design, getting all the contracts out, getting the township uh, approvals and, and permits. You know, if I said six months for a design, the rest of it could be another three. It could be a year. It could be nine months. It's not, un not unreasonable. But if it's managed correctly, it can do it done in three. There's certain concessions you make, but it really has to be driven very hard. Yeah. And I assume, you know, the more changes you make along the way, obviously prolongs things. And then do you have to go and get repermitted or different things like along those lines? You have to be very adaptable. You have to be very flexible because there are absolutely changes. There's so many moving parts. Imagine a kitchen designer. You might have a chef involved. 
you might have just the owner involved. You might have a brewing consultant involved. Um, <clears throat> you've got all the entities, the township, it varies from state to state, from township to township, municipality, municipality, you know, the personalities of, of all the people that are involved. So change is not just in the construction, but you could be halfway through a design process or a month into it. And somebody says, Oh, I realize I want a freezer and a refrigerator. I want a coal box is twice the size. I'm going to go from a 15 barrel to a 20 barrel. And all of a sudden you're changing everything. And all those pieces are all moving parts and they're all moving, you know, at the same time. It's like, it, to me, it's a lot like the construction process where I might have 20 subcontractors on a job where, you know, it's like, it's like orchestrating a symphony and they're all, interconnected and they're all interdependent. Well, in the pre-construction, you might have 10 different entities that are all supposed to be communicating. And if, it, if they're not communicating, it'll go off the rails really quickly and the timeline can just get blown apart if it's not managed properly. But um, yeah, changes, you have to be flexible, you have to be adaptable and you just have to be able to roll with it while you're guiding it, while you're quarterbacking the process. Yeah, a lot of moving parts. Yep. Um, that's why I'm assuming it's important to have a, you know, a team who knows what they're doing, a team who's used to building breweries, the team that knows the language. Oh, um, so the subcontractors that actually do, you know, do perform the work from electricians to the plumbers are doing glycol, steam, underground piping, trench drains, you know, all these things are very specific and they're, they're proprietary to breweries. You know, there's best practices, best me methods and materials that we use because we've done it. We know what the best type of brewery floor is at the best price point. We know how to design a glycol system. The subs that we use for boiler and steam work have all done them before. You know, so they're, it's, it's much different than just going and putting together an office space or a, you know, building a retail space somewhere. It's a completely different animal. Yeah. And you're not just putting down a normal floor, right. And it's obviously got to withstand, you know, hot water chemicals and, and you have all sorts of different nuances. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, and within that, there's a ton of decisions. It's one type of floor in a tap room. It's another type of floor in the kitchen, potentially. And it's certainly a different kind of floor in the, uh, in the brewery. And some people, you know, this could dovetail us in talking about a budget. Some people don't realize that if you want a really good, durable, uh, not to get into too much nomenclature, but a 10,000 PSI 316 trowel down floor, like a stone hard or an acrylicon or something like that, you know, they, they don't know that in their space, it might be a $40,000, $50,000 floor. And they're going to be willing to give that up really quick when they realize that uh, they may not have been realistic about their overall budget. So something's got to give. What percentage of breweries do you have that come in and say, here's our budget and here's what we want. And you say, that's not possible. Most of them. Yeah. And why is that? They just Because they just don't have the knowledge. And it's understandable unless you've actually built one um, like we have. You don't have a database. You might have been talking to a friend or maybe you talk to another brewery. You know, my best client is somebody that's done some homework and has, is realistic about their budget. But, but Kyle, I can tell you, I mean, I've built projects that were over $2 million and they thought it was 500. They thought it was a quarter of the amount. Really? They, just, they just didn't count, you know, and I've had others that say, okay, well that number's twice what we expected. You know, it might be a million dollar brewery and um, all our numbers are transparent. They can, they can, um, 
they can see hey, here's here's the electric, here's the plumbing. These are real numbers. Um, and I assume at the same time you've had some that come in and say, "Hey, this is what we expect. You're right on point. Here we go." It does happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually, usually if it's a second or third location, they have uh, they have the knowledge they need to realize that um, you know what the real costs are. But you know, don't forget. Brewers and brew pubs these days, they, they typically are going into um, industrial spaces. And, you know, you know, some of the projects we've done, whether it's Love City or um, the Conchahokan locations, some of those buildings give you an awful lot to start with. Some of them don't. If you need everything, there's no underground plumbing or it's a 90 years old and there's no updated electric, there's no updated. I mean, it's a whole different animal. And if you went in and said, okay, well, my uncle John thinks it's going to be a hundred dollars a foot or some such thing. Well, that is not what you're looking at when you're looking at a building that was say, for instance, like La Cabra, which is actually three different buildings all built into one. Yep. And don't forget if a landlord is writing you a lease that includes all your doors and storefronts and roll up doors and uh, adequate electric and adequate, um, gas and adequate uh, drains and such like that, they could build that into the lease. Well, then from a square footage standpoint, the price goes way down because so much has already been done. A lot of the times, we're, and, and that's something that we look at very early in the process in that initial meeting. Okay, find your real estate job number one. That's going to be difficult because a good a good piece of real estate, a good location that, that uh, uh, checks all the boxes is hard to find. So, Again, every one of them varies so much. You can't just take some kind of ballpark number and say, oh, I think it's going to be X because no matter what, it's going to be wrong. I've, had, I've literally had clients that say to me, when I, when I put together an initial budget and say, well, how does that square with what you're expecting? And they said, okay, well, it's you know, three, four times that. And so where'd you come up with your number? They said, we, we just, we made it up. I said, well, you made it up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't work that way. So, I mean, you, you've done, you know, uh, you've done breweries from say like 1900 square feet up to what, 18,000 or so or more. Well, the largest one was the whole thing wasn't occupied, but it was 75,000 square feet. Wow. And that was in 30 barrels uh, workhorse system. there. Yeah. It's 30 barrel system. So we, we've done everything that the smallest we typically do is a seven barrel, but up to 30 Conchock and in King of Prussia was also a 30 barrel system. It's a beautiful space. I was there not too long ago. Yeah, that's, and you know, interestingly, they're pretty much maxed out at this point. I think they've got about 18,000 square feet, but to your point, um, from a square footage standpoint, um, the absolute smallest for any, for any program is usually 30, 3,200 square feet. Um, but anything smaller than that, you can't really get people in and I would not recommend it, but your average 10, 15 barrel system, minimum of 3,200 square feet. We are in pre-construction planning now with a client that's going from a seven barrel to a 15 barrel from 3,500 square feet to 12,000 square feet. So that's, that's pretty much like the sweet spot of what we want to do. And I've, I've had people suggest spaces that were just too small. And I said, this isn't, it's not going to work for you. It's just not, I really suggest you find another location. Hmm. And that's from just like a, 
you know, a standpoint of the barrel size or, Hey, we can't make this space work. Or like, do you like having, you know, sometimes do you, do you see like a small space, you know, like it has character. I know we can make this cool. Or is it kind of like you guys are limited. You're going to outgrow this. How does that conversation go? Well, it starts early. I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those initial conversations um, subjects at the very beginning. And, you know, I like to go right to the point when I'm meeting somebody. So usually the first time I meet them, so let's talk about, where you want to be. Let's talk about your program, your food program, your beer program, how many renters, how many bright tanks, how many taps you want. What is your expectations on, on budget? Where's your financing coming from? What's your schedule, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's a whole barrage of questions that, that come up, but you know, that, that has to be figured out very early in the program. And, and I have, done reports on properties that I've tried to talk the, the owners out of and whether they choose to take that advice or not is, is up to them. But yeah. um, if you build a location and it's not well suited, there's all kinds of ramifications and consequences to that. When you are proposing some of these things to folks, some of these pieces, some of them come in a little more costly. Like, what is the most value? Like, all right, here, maybe it's the floors or whatever it is. It's, hey, I know it costs a lot of money up front, but I'm telling you over five, 10 years, you're going to thank me for spending the extra money on it. Is there like that one or two pieces of equipment or part of the project that people are really grateful for that they did spend the money up front on? You know what? I, I would say you can, you can deal with floors that need more maintenance that need to be cleaned and, you know, a lot of people have, they have different levels of, of requirements uh, as far as functionality and, and such. But really, the logistics of a well-designed space that flows properly. I mean, you can imagine if you have to go an extra 100 feet to get your grain every time you're brewing and you're brewing 10 times a week and then you're, you're mashing out, and you're taking your grain to it. Like if you have to go that much farther every time, it, it really adds up. It adds up in the time. It adds up in the labor and just the logistics of how things work. A server that has to go an extra 30 feet to get to, let's say, a kitchen for a pickup or return dishes are coming in the same way that the food's going out. Those things, they seem small, but over the time, over the, the lasting duration of a, of a brewery, which might be dozens of years, it adds up. And it also has real impact on the efficiency and the experience of the space. People don't want to be in a, in a poorly designed space where you're waiting in line for bathrooms or you know, logistics aren't working out. So, you know, material wise, yeah, I mean, you want to. I take for granted that you have a properly designed glycol system. And you don't have pipes bursting. We know how to do that, or the steam system is done efficiently and correctly. We know how to do that. Um, but I think the logistics of a well-designed space and its comfort is one of the most important pieces. Okay, I would go back. You know, so I spent my life, you know, working in restaurants and you know, serving and bartending. Um, and then I ended up working at Iron Hill and that's kind of how I decided to focus on the breweries from an insurance standpoint. But to your point about a server walking farther to and from a kitchen, that, uh, that time adds up. That's less turned tables. That's less tips in their pockets throughout the course of a night and a weekend and a year. So, you know, even though it might be 30 seconds here and there, well, you know, over the night, it could be an extra 10 minutes. They could have had another table in and out. They could have got another, you know, 
uh, another set of tips, like that stuff adds up. Oh, it's huge. If you think about the customer experience, you go into a place and you're excited. You might, maybe you drove 45 minutes to get to this cool new brewery and you show up and you can't get a beer because the server's in the weeds. They have to go that extra distance. And you and I sit there and it's like, wow, I really wish I could uh, get a beer at this place. And your initial experience is negative, you know? Yeah. And to the flip side of that too, like when you are waiting for your check and you got to go and you want to leave and you can't get your check because it's just, you know, you sit there an extra seven, eight minutes, you're like, Oh shit, I could have left, you know, and then this table could have been sat too. So yeah, absolutely. The server could be in the weeds and or they're tied up with something, or they're just just because they're they're the length of their runs is so much longer than it needs to be. So, you know, those are all those are important critical things, both on the customer experience side and the and the functioning side on the on the owner. Very good. Good information. Okay. Tell me about, you know, you and I have worked on this together a little bit, but we have a playbook. Can you quick give a, a shout about the playbook here? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the things um one of the things that came to me earlier is that, you know, it's not like building McDonald's, that's for sure. We're not all making the same thing, but there are certain parameters that we repeat um, from one project to the next. So the idea was to convey to the owners, hey, what is the playbook for me to get my first brewery open? So, you know, we've worked together on that and um, getting them early and doing the pre-construction process, which is the site selection, uh, schematic budget, schematic pricing, bringing in a, the architectural team, a brewing consultant if it's needed, a chef consultant if it's needed, bringing that whole team together um, to the best effect is what we do. So I also bring in or introduce my clients to guys like you, to, to, to other people that are experienced professionals in specifically the brewing business. So if you need the accountant, we've got the guy that's got 10 brewers. If you need the insurance guy, you got to talk to Kyle. If you want to, if you need a brewing consultant, we have those. If you need a chef consultant, we have those. If you want to talk to the manufacturers direct, we have relationships with the manufacturers of all the equipment on and on and on. Who, who, who needs to know where uh, you get the growlers or where the best place to get your POS systems, the best place to get your beer mats, coasters, glassware. It's all been done. And if you haven't done it before, you're doing that all fresh. You're starting from scratch. And it's just a lot of work. You know what? Let's talk to John over Conchahawk. And he's done this before. He's already vetted all suppliers. He already knows the people. I'll introduce you to Greg, who does the accounting. And you're going to get the best service, the best prices, the best knowledge that you possibly can. So the playbook incorporates all the people that have done many breweries, brew projects. It's great. Love it. And that, and there's kind of an overview on the website, right? HRABuilds.com. You got a playbook yep. there. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Give you an idea, but obviously the, uh, you know, it helps to have that conversation. Cause yeah, I mean, if I'm, I'm an over brewery, I mean, the last thing I'm thinking about is like coasters and then all of a sudden like you're ready to open. You're like, shit, I don't have any coasters. Should have thought yeah. about that. Yeah. Like who, you know, who are you going to interview to do your draft system? Well, guess what? You can get a really cheap draft system or you can get one that works the first time and you're not dumping a bunch of bad beer down the drain unless you made bad beer, of course, but you know, you got a great draft system that everybody in the industry knows that this is the guy to go to. We have examples and we have the, we have the go-to people for all those different categories. Love it. Cool. Yeah. I always find it to be more important, you know, just be a connector, be a resource here to help. And uh, you know, if I don't know the answer, I get you to the person who does. And that's what I think is important about specializing in a niche for any type of business you're in. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, 
it's critical. Do it right the first time, you know? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So um, what was the most unique brewery that you have ever been to? That I've ever been to? Been to, not built. We'll get into built as well. I would have to say, I'd probably say Hill Farmstead, but if you ask me for something in Pennsylvania, I, yeah. Um, I do make it as an occupational requirement to as visit as many breweries as I can, of course. We call that research uh, and development. Yeah, exactly. I just came back from um, a couple months, a month and a half ago. I came back from Vermont uh, and Stowe. So I've uh, been doing a little research up there. But, um, you know, they're all different. And from a design standpoint, we didn't really touch on this. One of the things about that I really like about what I do is I do a tremendous amount of design. So it's it's unusual to have the contractor also be an architect, but you know, I'm really proud of some of the projects we've done. Love City comes to mind, recently won an architectural award. Um, but we have a hand in all of them. If you've been to La Cabra for sure, um, any of the Conchahawken locations. Uh, so I think, uh, I wouldn't say the most unique. It's just that they're all they're all different and they all have their own qualities. And that's what I like about them. That's what, that's what I like about all these projects. They're all, I'd agree too, because you know, it's like, all right, so you've been to a brewery right there. They have stainless steel and they use a couple ingredients and then they kick out some delicious liquid, but the ambiance that you're sitting amongst is different. And I think that's what brings people back. And you mentioned, you know, La Cabra and that place was used to be like an office building or something. And you know, you tear down the walls the drywall and you have all that beautiful stone behind it that was covered up, you know? Yeah. No, it's a furniture store. It was a Pearl of the East. You know, there was a, there was futons in there um, and drop ceilings and drywall and uh, recessed lighting and everything you'd expect from basically a furniture store. And yeah, that building, I mean, that's a good example. That building gave us a lot to work with once we had it gutted out. Um, but it is not a cut and dry process in a building like that, as opposed to working in a, a big warehouse industrial space. You know, <clears throat> we want to utilize what the building has to offer. And that was very much the case at La Cabra and certainly that, the same way at Love City. Um, other, other projects, you know, not so much. So you have to build it in there. You have to build like, like Workhorse was uh, a very bland industrial space and making it cool and making it comfortable and uh making it feel right is is a challenge for sure yeah, you have to, in that in a space like that you have to add the character whereas you know la cabra you have to or maybe you don't even know but along the way you start to uncover the character that was hidden you bring out the character of the space yeah conchock and bridgeport yep. now has a two-story mezzanine in it you know and there's a big well there. that that didn't exist before um, but it's, a, it's an essential and a critical part of how that space feels. Well, and that's a beautiful spot too. Um, it's classy. And then the, I love the fact that you have, you know, the food truck inside the building essentially, and that's the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. You're right around the corner there. There's the, uh, the outside of the, the trail or the food trail that was in the parking lot when we yeah. uh, started that project and said, Hey, let's, uh, let's think about bringing this thing in and make the kitchen out of it and make it an architectural feature of that space. So. Love it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really nice to be able to, and uh, it's rewarding to be able to have a uh, a hand in uh, elements like that. Um, there's a lot of compromise, for sure. 
Um, but it's uh, it's a great thing that we do that's unique to the uh, to the business. Love it. What uh, what are you working on now? What kind of projects are coming up? Uh, well, without naming names, um, there is, we're building a restaurant in Springfield right now, which is fast casual okay. uh, Mexican place, and that's that's been going on for a number of months now. And again, that's a building; it's full gut, um, right down to the studs. It was an office uh, space and accounting space, and now it's going to be something completely different for sure. And there's a lot of zone. Is there a zoning change there? Or is it just commercial? Uh, it, there was a zoning change. Yeah. So the building needed to be sprinkler and a variety of other, uh, so there you go. I mean, that's a whole different process. It's a whole different use. Now you got to pay for sprinkler system. I mean, that stuff adds up and it's, it's not, it's a small space, but it's, but it's an expensive element, you know? And if you know that up front, then you're not surprised. Uh, if you, if you find that out further down the line with a limited budget, I've had people walk away from projects that were unfeasible. Um, we are working with a client up in uh, Lansdale, uh, Hatfield area, that's expanding an existing brewery from, uh, I mentioned this earlier, going from a seven barrel to a 15 barrel and stepping up to uh, 12,000 square feet. Yep. Um, I have another client that's, I have two or three clients in various stages. One's looking for a spot down in the city and one's looking for a spot out here in Delaware County. And they're in the early stages of, uh, of uh, the real estate search. And, you know, at the same time, there's always, there's always projects that are kind of in the background. And some of our friends at uh, Tire Hands or Levante, um, the Chamonix Creek, we're, we're, we're loosely talking about, you know, their next step. And right now, you know, as well as I do, a lot of the existing brewers are looking for new locations uh, to drop down tap rooms. So there's always, there's always an undercurrent of, of uh, brewers that are looking for new spaces. So, um, yeah, I mean, on the board, there's probably four or five, maybe six different um, potential projects in various stages of development from we should be building. Well, I forgot one. <laughs> we should be building in the next, uh, next month or so to, we should have a design done in the next month or so to, I don't know if this one's ever going to kick off. And that's standard force. Yeah. Do you ever find that there's like a busy season or is it constant? Does it come in waves? No, there's, there is no busy season. You know, people have said that to me, Oh, it's winter. You must be slow. And it's like, <laughs> it, it, no, it doesn't work that way. All of our work primarily is inside, uh, except for the site work. And, um, uh, we're not really, we're not impacted by seasonality at all. I remember bringing coffee to you guys at La Cabra when you guys were building it, no windows. And it was like seven degrees out and it was like four degrees in the building. <laughs> it was awful. Yeah. You know, that, I appreciate the coffee there. Uh, <laughs> Got to warm you up, man. <laughs> it probably didn't stay hot very long, Nope. but Hey, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of a, that's, that's one of the fun things, you know, I don't have to wear a tie on a regular basis. And, uh, I, some days I just never, never know what I'm going to expect. And on another podcast, we'll talk about all the crazy surprises that you can encounter in a project, but, uh, it is never boring. I can tell you that. Very cool. All right. Well, uh, besides starting early, we'll kind of wrap up with this, but besides starting early, and looking at a space and getting you involved, like what other advice would you give to those, you know, thinking about planning or those starting planning? 
just just be flexible, have an open mind, you know, keep your optimism. There's going to be challenges. There are unknowns and there are uh, always challenges. And, you know, our job is to anticipate as many as possible. But I can tell you, every single project has something that we've never seen before. And those examples are many. But just be flexible. Maintain your maintain your good attitude, your humor, and be cooperative. It's very much a team effort. Um, you know, no dictators are, are ever going to survive in this process. You have to really be flexible, and you know, we'll all pull together. You know, we'll all be the strong, we'll all be strong huskies on a, on a team, and 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 we'll get it done. But uh, you got to maintain a positive attitude. Be constructive. Be flexible. And it's, it's a relationship, you know, and, and sometimes it feels like combat. Um, but it's, it's a, mind, it's a mindset that the most important thing is your mindset, honestly. Well, perfect segue into, you know, the kind of the environment we're in right now, you know, we can't control what's going on. We can't control, uh, that the government wants us indoors and we can't have our tasting rooms open, but you know, we can adapt and we can keep a positive attitude and we can get creative, which is how this podcast began, which is how all these takeout and delivery you know, all this stuff has, has popped up because of the fact that we all now have to get creative. Um, we have yep. to, and, and we can't control those things outside of, 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 you know, pretty much our mindset otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It all starts right there, man. Right between the ears. <laughs> all right, buddy. Well, Chris, I appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, giving us an idea about what it's like to build a brewery. I'm excited about uh, our episode part two about uh, the crazy findings. <laughs> we'll do that sometime. Yeah. Whenever you get a chance, thanks for putting this together, Kyle. It's great to have, uh, have you as a go-to for, uh, for all our clients. And, you know, I'm real excited about the team we have. We've been doing this for, I guess, four or five years now without, without end in sight and there's changes for sure, but it's, it's a, it's a great fraternity and it's a great business to be a part of good people. Absolutely, man. All right. Cheers, Chris. Have a good one. Take care. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you find this valuable. Please follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple. And while you're at Apple, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating. It helps us get noticed among the craft beverage community there. Thank you. Cheers and beer. Mighty things.